Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring the romance of Helen Trent, Mary Noble, backstage wife, Just Plain Bill, Ma Perkins, and comedians Bob and Ray as we take an affectionate look at radio's great soap operas. From the 30s to the 50s, the daytime soap operas helped everyone while away the hours. If you were listening to your radio 25 years ago, here are some of the programs you might have heard. folks. That means your friends, the Goldbergs, are here. Time now for Young Winter Brown, brought to you today by the makers of Arrow Wax. In Michael Forsyth's hotel room, Evan Brown has spoken words which Michael has hoped she would speak ever since he fell in love with her months ago after Dr. Anthony Loring believed a lie about her and discarded her and was tricked into marriage by his wife, Millicent. For Evan has just said to Michael... Brave Tomorrow, the story of love and courage, written by Ruth Adams Knight and brought to you by Ivory Snow. And now, for the dramatic story of John's other wife. Elizabeth, the young wife of handsome 35-year-old John Perry, is going to have a baby. and has been told by Dr. Ferguson that she must not shoulder any worries. But the worries have come thick and fast. A hundred employees fired from the Perry department store at the instigation of John's partner, Ridgeway Turrell, and the beautiful foreign decorator, Marina Marinoff, rioted, led by a man named Timmons, and stoned John... And now John lies ill with an ugly gash in his head. Elizabeth it was who put down the riot. Elizabeth it was who rehired the employees in John's name and persuaded the now repentant Ridge to clear John of any blame. But John believes that the clever and unscrupulous Marina saved him. And he quarrels with Elizabeth on this account and suffers a relapse. Elizabeth, exhausted and frightened, calls the doctor. Fifteen minutes later, as the clock strikes nine, Dr. Ferguson arrives. The Romance of Helen Trent was a program which was looked forward to by millions of women every day for over two decades. And here's how it sounded. And now, The Romance of Helen Trent.
the romance of Helen Trent. The real-life drama of Helen Trent, who, when life mocks her, breaks her hopes, dashes her against the rocks of despair, fights back bravely, successfully, to prove what so many women long to prove in their own lives, that because a woman is 35 or more, romance in life need not be over. That romance can begin at 35. Life was never simple and easy for characters in the daytime soap operas. Marriage, separation, even illness. They all played a part. The heroines came from all walks of life. And now, Mary Noble, backstage wife. Mary has been the victim of a false friend, Armand Delubac, who took her diamond engagement ring with the promise of having it repaired. But instead, Armand pawned the ring and tried to blackmail Mary and Larry. And when Marsha Mannering tried to make it appear that Mary was in love with Armand and had given the ring to him, she turned Larry violently against her. And thereupon, Marcia conspires with Armand to get even with Mary and Larry. When Mary and Larry later discover that the ring has disappeared from the shop, Mary is heartbroken, and Larry resolves at last to notify the police. Well, Mary, here's our story in all the afternoon papers. Yes, Larry, I've seen it. Famous actor reports theft of wife's jewels to police. A very concise and accurate statement of facts, I'd say. And you certainly can't feel that this is very damaging publicity, Mary. You got around it very nicely, Larry. Well, the police have cooperated, too, in not revealing anything to the press except what's printed right here. But well, I still have the sinking feeling that something bad's about to happen, Larry. That doom's hanging over our heads. Well, I've managed so far to keep those reporters from getting a hold of me. They've been banging at the door all morning, clamoring for more details. But if I can just continue to duck them, I don't think that any more will leak out. Well, it's not only the reporters I'm afraid of... What do you mean? You're taking this thing awfully hard, Mary. Oh, Larry, what's going to happen when or if the police do catch Armand or whoever it is that has my ring? Well, we'll just get the ring back and prosecute the scoundrel, that's all. But don't you see, you'll still have to go through all that mess of a criminal trial. All right, baby, so what? But unless we can be perfectly sure of presenting the facts believably, the public will turn against you. They might think on the face of it that you're prosecuting an innocent man. Mary, I... I wish you wouldn't be arguing against me in this thing. I've done what I think best in order to get back your engagement ring. I know you have, Larry, dear, and I love you for it. We were part of what they called the Hummert Stables. There was usually conflict of all kinds, so it seems to me that at one time or another, in every single show, someone lost their memory or uh, someone was, was indicted for murder. This is Fran Carlin, who played an extraordinary number of radio roles. I remember her from Our Gal Sunday. Well, Our Gal Sunday, who was married to England's richest and handsomest lord, left on the doorstep by two old miners. Can't she find happiness married to... Oh, dear. It's been so long. Lord Henry Brinthrop. And uh, Our Gal was always in terrible trouble. It seemed to me. And I... Her best friend and next-door neighbor. And, of course... For uh, identification purposes, the daytime so consisted of repetition, <laughs> our gal would say. And Irene, now I know you're my next-door neighbor and best friend, so it was how <laughs> you always had this to identify you. On uh, Backstage Wife, when I was doing one of the heavies on it, and I was always locking somebody into the eight-sided octagonal room. 
what a strange, strange person Jean is. This sudden maturity, this perception. Yes, and this amazing insight into his father. It's wonderful. But it's also frightening. This is a page from a new chapter in the lives of Anne Malone and her husband Jerry. We'll return to the Malones in a moment. Private, I have some good news for you and some bad news. What's the bad news, Sergeant? Tomorrow morning, the platoon will take a scenic and historic tour into nature with a 50-mile hike with full packs. Oh, and the good news? Your SGLI insurance rates were reduced by 15%. So? 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 Listen, Private. SGLI means security. 15,000 bucks of security that cost you only two fifty-five a month. That's a great investment. And a lot of solid, worthwhile protection. And don't you forget it. Anything to say? With you around, Sergeant, I really need good news. Joe Rice explains in his fine book, Early Cincinnati Radio, that it was over 30 years ago in an unadorned WLW studio in Cincinnati that a young Virginia Payne originated the role of Ma Perkins for a 16-week tryout. The show was so successful that it moved to Chicago and later on to New York. Here's some excerpts from the very last program in the 27-year history of Ma Perkins. Now, CBS Radio brings you Ma Perkins. Well, what could be more appropriate today than to turn the clock back to join Ma and the folks at Thanksgiving dinner? Ma and the family have so much to give thanks for. Let's join them all. They haven't yet sat down. In the kitchen, we find Faye and Evie and Ma. Listen. <laughs> Shuffle and Willie are so hungry. Come on, honey. Let's get the cranberries. Look at the turkey. And now, here's Ma again. Thank you, Dan. This is our broadcast number 7065. I first came here on December 4th, 1933. Thank you for all being so loyal to us these 27 years. The part of Willie has been played right from the beginning by Murray Forbes. Shuffle was played for 25 years by Charles Eggleston, and for the last two years by Edwin Wolfe, who was also our director. The fae you have been hearing these past few years has been Margaret Draper, and the part was played for many years by Rita Ascot. For 15 years, our Evie has been Kay Campbell. Helen Lewis plays Gladys, and Tom Wells has been played by both John Larkin and Casey Allen. Our announcer is Dan Donaldson. Our writer for more than 20 years has been Oren Tavroff. Ma Perkins has always been played by me, Virginia Payne. If you care to write to me, Ma Perkins, I'll try to answer you. Goodbye, and may God bless you.
Here is Mrs. Frank Hummert, who, along with her husband, provided the storylines for many of the most popular daytime serials. Mr. Hummert and I together started what I think is the first daytime serial. It was just plain Bill. And that embodied, as every serial we had on the air, as every show we had on the air did, the idea that it had to incorporate a fundamental of American life. The parent was less well-educated than the child. This was the case of a barber in the heartland of America. We called it Hartville. Marvelous philosophical sort of man who had very little education. In his youth, married a socially prominent girl. She died when their daughter was born. And now, in the first scene, the daughter Nancy is coming home. And the question is, having been educated in Eastern schools with all the polish of the East, is she going to be too good for her father? Well, she wasn't, and usually her father was much smarter in his deductions about life than the daughter was or anybody around. And that show became tremendously successful in the terrible parts of the, of the depth of the Depression. Nobody had any money to spend on anything. And the Roxy Theatre had thousands of seats. And the man said, how would you like to put just plain Bill on the stage? And we'll say that if the people bring a toothpaste carton, they can get in. Well, they had so many people go to the Roxy. They had to have mounted police around the place. Mothers, husbands, fathers, there with children, everybody to see Bill and his daughter Nancy. For his millions of radio friends, we now present Just Plain Bill, Barber of Hartville. The real-life story of a man who might be your own next-door neighbor and of people just like people we all know. And now, just plain Bill. Bill's daughter Nancy and her husband, Carrie Donovan, know now why Bill wasn't seen after arriving at the Huckleberry Hill estate to keep an appointment with wealthy Evelyn Groves. For a few minutes ago, Bill was found near the lake, unconscious, struck down by an unknown assailant. And while Nancy and Carrie try to make Bill comfortable in the boathouse, Evelyn's widowed mother, Judith Seymour, stands at a window of the main house, watching her young protege, Rudy Blanton, running up the driveway. Now, a moment later, Rudy bursts into the room. Are you all right, Judith? Are you all right? Why, Rudy, darling, of course I am. But uh, Leslie said after you hung up when I... Telephone you, I'd found Mr. Davidson. He said you went all to pieces. <laughs> Did I sound upset to you, Rudy? Well, no, you didn't. But... You sounded almost hysterical over the telephone. Well, how would you like to be walking along by the lake and suddenly see somebody lying there, all crumbled up? Poor Mr. Davidson. Oh, Judith, at first I, I thought he was dead. I told Leslie you'd exaggerate the situation. Well, even so, Mr. Davidson got a terrible blow on the head, Judith. That doctor better get down there soon or Mr. and Mrs. Donovan will be fit to be tired. Who? Mr. Davidson's daughter and her husband. What? Didn't you know they were here? No. No, I didn't. They didn't lose much time getting here, did they? Well, they were worried before they phoned you, Judith, but when you told them Mr. Davidson hadn't been seen... Rudy, 
I wonder what made them think Mr. Davidson might have had an accident. An accident? You think he got that lump on the back of his head by accident? We'll assume that until we know differently. Okay, but if you ask me... Nobody has asked you yet. So that's why Leslie told you I needed your attention here at the house. You... You are all right, aren't you, Judith? Oh, don't be stupid, Rudy. Of course I am. Well, then why did Leslie tell me a thing like that? To get rid of you, Rudy. You never did know when to hold your tongue. Me? You should have heard the things Leslie said. I'm not worried about him, but you... Judith, you're scared of something. Listen to me, darling. Can't you see the position we're in, all of us? You mean on account of Evelyn changing her will? I mean because she's about to. Because she went to Mr. Donovan, a lawyer, and told him she was going to have a child. I hate to see you cut out of her will, Judith, but I'm glad if she's caught on to that fortune-hunting husband of hers. Oh, thank heaven Leslie got rid of you before you started talking like that in front of the Donovan. Isn't it the truth? The only truth that interests me right now is the fact Evelyn misunderstands Leslie's attitude. And mine, No Rudy. wonder. To know your own mother hates you. If you ever say anything like that again... <laughs> All right. Rudy, we mustn't quarrel now of all times. Well, Judith, I... I know I owe everything to you. Without you, I'd be just another fiddle player. Oh, well, things aren't as bad as I thought. They're bad enough for Mr. Davidson. Uh, I wonder what the doctor said. What doctor? The one you called. Didn't you tell him where to go? I didn't call any doctor, Rudy. Judith, Leslie said... I fully expected Mr. Davidson would come too shortly. No. No, you didn't. You hoped just the opposite. Oh, now don't be silly, Rudy. The way you love to dramatize things, I didn't believe half you said over the telephone. I... I almost wish I... I could believe that. There, you see. Heaven knows what terrible things your imagination is building up this moment. I'm sure there isn't the slightest need. But rather than see you unhappy, we'll call the doctor right now, Rudy, dear. And you can witness the fact I did. If the daytime serials were still on the air today, they might be much the same as they were 25 years ago. But to comedians Bob and Ray, these daytime dramas always seem funny. Take note of Bob and Ray in this parody, The Lives and Loves of Linda Lovely. Next, The Life and Loves of Linda Lovely, Girl Intern. Now, for the many fans who wait for her on the radio, we present once again the interesting story, The Life and Loves of Linda Lovely, Girl Intern. Written for radio by Olio Leahy. It stars Marsha Van Allshot as Linda, Sherman L. Sturdley as David, with Hugo L. Summerstopper as Uncle Eugene, and Dex Blaisdell as Jim. Nature's elements have been playing havoc in River's Mouth. First, a snowstorm, then the rose bushes in bloom. And yesterday, David was concerned about whether to shovel the driveway or wait to see if more snow is coming. Now, it's a few hours later, as we see them in the car. Well, I just don't know what to do. Well, I don't either. The sky seems to be clearing now. 
That fellow has the hedge pretty well trimmed, too. Yes, he's doing a good job on it. I hope he gets through in time to come over to our house and do our hedge. Come in. Come in. Bakery man. Oh, yes. Come in out of the cold. Okay. Well. I got some brown and fern rolls again today. We tried those once before. They didn't go over too well in our family. some pineapple tarts. Why don't you get some of them uh, Parker House rolls? They're very good. We don't have them. Well, you left some at our house next door last Well, we don't have them on this day. We have them on Thursday. Well, I don't know. What do we need, Linda? Is there anything we're out of? Mm, I guess just some bread. Alex, see what else I got to peddle you. Well, that's all we want. Just some bread will be enough. Nice cake. We won't be eating How about much a during this snowstorm. Pie, eh? Well, I suppose we could do away with one of those. Seventy-two cents I want for that. Used to be seventy cents, didn't it? I can remember when they were thirty-five. Well, why the big change in price? Well, we started to put cream on it. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll take one, and yeah, that'll be it. A loaf of bread too. Okay. Anything be else? careful on the back steps; they're icy. Yeah, I noticed that. You know what? It's the only street where you had snow. You mean the only street in Rivers Mouth? I noticed that. I came around Must have been cor- a freak storm or something. Yeah, I came around the corner doing about 35. It was dry as a bone, and I hit the ice and turned around a couple of times. Well, have to be careful on the way out. Who's a to me? I had to put chains on. Have, when I get down the end of your street, I have to take them off. Has the newspaper heard about this? Well, haven't you heard? Why, no. A newspaper plant blew up. Really? We didn't sure. hear anything about it here. Well, it happened last night. There'll be no paper delivery today. Well, how about the radio station? Have they had it on their news broadcast? Have you heard about that either? Why, no. The power fell down. Certainly the elements have been playing havoc here in Rivers Mouth. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's your 90 cents. Okay. Here's your cream pie. Be yeah. careful going out the driveway. It isn't shoveled yet. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Well, we won't need anything tomorrow. I'll be around tomorrow. We won't need anything tomorrow. So the storm continues, and the snow piles high around the lovely house on Honeymoon Lane. Be sure and join us tomorrow when we'll hear Linda say, Look, the sun is out. That's in the next exciting episode in the life and loves of Linda Lovelay, girl intern, word car speaking. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. Are you one of those who take for granted the liberties and freedoms granted you as an American citizen? Take the freedoms of Article 5 of the Constitution. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. These human rights you wouldn't want to lose. These freedoms granted to you cannot be taken for granted. All freedoms must be cherished and protected. The commercial announcements were for entertainment purposes only and are not an endorsement of the Department of Defense. Now this is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.